Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. The best way that I've like described it, I think, is just that they took the guardrails off. Now they trust you to make your workspaces work for how you want to. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. This is going to be a fun one as we dive into the fact that for many people, the changes to Stage Manager in iPad OS 17 gets it over that hump of usability as a main work computer for more and more people, including our guest today, Chance Miller, the editor-in-chief at 9to5Mac. We cover a ton of ground in this episode, including the apps that Chance uses to run 9to5Mac from an iPad, what it's like using an iPad Pro with a Pro Display XDR. We also touch on some iPad paper cuts that still make life a bit tricky for some, and share some general thoughts on the betas. Closing out the discussion is some talk about the Apple Vision Pro. We chatted for about 30 minutes all about Apple Vision Pro, and you'll hear just the opening part of that in this episode. If you want to hear that full discussion, check out my brand new podcast, Vision Pros, that launches today alongside this episode that features our full discussion on the Apple Vision Pro. Chance was one of the few people that did get to try this at WWDC. This show will be a monthly show this year and then move to the alternative weeks from this show next year when Apple Vision Pro launches. Check out visionpros.fm to learn more and subscribe today in your favorite podcast app. Future guests include Devin, the developer behind Crouton, and Ken Case, the CEO of the Omni Group. I am very excited for Vision OS and the Apple Vision Pro, and I can't wait to dive deep into what it's like to develop and use this very new and different spatial computing platform. Again, learn more at visionpros.fm. Get early releases of both iPad Pros and Vision Pros by supporting the podcast either at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. With that said, here's my discussion with Chance. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Chance. Hey, Tim. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's great to have you on. I know you've been sharing a lot on Mastodon about uh, the iPad yeah. finally being a tool uh, worth Good exploring now. Yeah. <laughs> Good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so for those that don't know who you are, Chance, uh, yeah. who are you? And uh, kind of how'd you get into the Apple uh, news world? So I am the editor-in-chief of 9to5Mac. I started at 9to5Google in 2013, then moved over to 9to5Mac full-time in 2015, and became editor-in-chief in towards the end of 2020. Okay. So I've been been at 9to5 for almost, or a little over 10 years now, and now I still write about Apple and host two podcasts and manage my other my other writers that I work with every day. Very cool. And prior to 2020, you were... Writing for 9to5 as well yeah, as doing the daily a, Apple uh, podcast? Yeah. yeah, so I was just writing. I was just an editor. And then in 2020 is when I took over more of the leadership stuff. And then this month I took over 9to5Mac Happy Hour, which is our long-form weekly Apple News-focused podcast with Benjamin Mayo. So that's been a fun new challenge. Yeah, that congrats over. on that. I, I love that show. Thank you. Um, and yeah, it's been fun hearing... Um, you and uh, Benjamin uh, go uh, go out. It's had two weeks yeah. now. Uh, the, the first one yeah. was a guest one with the Vision Pro stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, we've done we've guest hosted with each other a few times over the past couple of years, and so it's really fun. Yeah. Mayo's a good guy. I really enjoy talking to Mayo every week. It's a it's a fun hour and a half every week. Yeah, the thing I love about um, Zach most is the Apple Watch stuff. Um, like I love yeah. his uh, his watch podcast. He'll start up every now and then. Um, yeah, which I think now that he has Happy Hour off his plate, I think he's considering bringing back watch time for a season yeah sometime soon it's such a fun so show it's such a different it's, kind of yeah, thing it's a great so, show um, and yeah that'd be great yeah. zach's the best i love zach he, um yeah um but uh, uh it's it's good not having him overwhelmed with stuff so <laughs> yeah no this so, this yeah. was for the best and hi he did it for so long 400 episodes and i hope that i get to do it with mayo for 400 episodes and yeah. I hope that people stick with us through the transition too. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's a challenge, but it'll be fun. Yeah, it can take a bit to find grooves, but uh, I can already hear it's 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 shaping out to be oh, a good uh, second uh, second uh, round of of happy hour. I appreciate it. Um, so, before we get too far into things, uh, what's your current iPad setup? What are you rocking these days? So, my primary iPad is the twelve point nine inch M two one terabyte ipad pro uh up until a couple weeks ago it was the 2020 ipad pro 12.9 inch but i upgraded because the 2020 ipad can do stage manager but it can't do stage manager on an external display yep so with ipad os 17 and all of the pretty good stage manager changes there i wanted to get the full experience so i sprung for the big boy with the 16 gigs of ram and really to test it to its full potential then it's usually docked in a magic keyboard with a trackpad mm-hmm. and connected to my pro display xdr which bought before the studio display <laughs> so you would have gotten the studio display both were available. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> would have bought three of the studio displays <laughs> uh, with yeah. the fancy stand right yeah and um and using that, uh, the 6K, it, it, it's a nice experience. The iPad doesn't kind of stumble with that. No, it handles it great. I mean, I think we might touch on this a little bit later, but the RAM, it has 16, the iPad has 16 gigabytes of RAM, but you wouldn't really know it. And <laughs> no, no. beyond even the stage manager limitations to four windows, iPad OS RAM management in general, I don't think is very good. Yeah. At least in my experience, you bounce back and forth and things are have gotten killed in the background mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think need to be killed. But it keeps up great with the 6K display. It works perfectly. I don't it powers it, it drives it and it's a really great experience. I was surprised. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm using a 27-inch 5K and it's uh Yeah. It does a great job with that. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's it's impressive. I mean, from to go from what they had in iPad OS 15 with external displays to Last year with iPad OS 16 mm-hmm. and now even better this year, it's you got to give them credit for making such a drastic improvement so quickly. Yeah, well, relatively quickly, relatively, relatively quickly. <laughs> uh, iPad OS 17, uh, they didn't really get start working until nine. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, I also d- did the 16 gigabytes of RAM. It's funny if you look at pricing, like, why is this jump so much bigger? Then if you compare it to the Mac, where if you add the mm-hmm. RAM, exact same prices for storage and RAM. It's just kind of interesting. It's, uh, it's kind of yeah. bundled in there. They don't really 
Because Apple doesn't like talking about RAM on they don't on iPads or and iPhones. No, <laughs> yeah, it was surprising when they actually mentioned uh, that uh, you do get more. Yeah, um, and apps like LumaFusion take advantage of it, and I think mm-hmm. the Affinity apps maybe, but it's very rare which apps actually uh, yeah do do that for. Um, and then when you're hooked up to the external, uh, you're using the external keyboard and trackpad. Although you could probably just type on the magic keyboard if you want to. That's on the iPad. I, yeah, I could, but since the XDR is so big, I want to yeah. focus straight ahead on that. that and makes sense, so yeah. I use Apple's magic keyboard and magic trackpad separately. And right now that solution is just to repair them to the iPad or to the Mac every time I switch back and forth, which yep. one of the biggest pain points of the process right now. But and it would be a lot better, too, if you could use an external mouse like the Logitech MX Master with the iPad. But based on everything I've read mm-hmm. and everyone I've talked to, that's just not a great experience, regardless of like how many times you tweak the settings, how many changes you make. Yeah. It's just not a good experience. So. And just... That's a little sad. Yeah, and all the the scrolling and all the the touch stuff on trackpad just feels nice on yeah. my iPad OS. Um, I know you can go to and like accessibility, add all the little custom. Buttons. I tried all of that. Yeah, it's it probably just, just it, yeah, not great. I talked. I I posted about it on Mastodon and uh, Chris Lowley replied and he was like, "Yeah, no, just give up and use the trackpad." And I was like, "Okay, yeah. if Chris says that, then I, <laughs> I'm guessing Chris has tried everything in the book." Yeah, that evolution's been fun. Like, I had the Citrix um, X1 mouse back in the day because that would work with selective mm-hmm. ENC apps on iPad. Then we got the accessibility support, so I was playing around with that. Then we finally yeah. got the real uh, Magic Trackpad um, integration and Magic Keyboard. I mean, it works great. Yeah. It works great. You can't you can't complain. No, it, and it's something that uh, years ago we thought uh, this would never be a thing. Um, yeah. Alongside the, the displays, as we're now happily using. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, what was your first iPad, and kind of what's your evolution been using it for, you know, uh, fun versus work? Mm-hmm. My first iPad, so it was 2010. It was the very first yeah. one. Got it on launch day. And right off the bat, it was clear that I was just going to use it for Netflix and watching YouTube and playing some very basic games. And the iPad over the years has always been, I've always had an iPad. I've always Mm -hmm. used an iPad, but what's ebbed and flowed is like how I use it and what I try to use it for. So my first like real attempt to use it for more than just entertainment would have been split view, which I think was iOS nine. Yep. And it was good, but there were still so many little paper cuts compared to Mac. And I was like, this was a fun experiment. Maybe I'll keep Netflix open and keep Slack open a few times. Yeah. But beyond that, it's like it's not going to work for my workflow. Then I dabbled with using an iPad for more than just entertainment again in college with <laughs> a bridge. I can't remember what it was called, but it was one of the bridge external keyboards, with the, which they had great build quality, like felt like a MacBook made out of aluminum. Yeah. And... They're dead now. Bridge, yeah. the company, is dead. But they made good stuff for a little bit there. And that mm-hmm. was a fun experiment. And that yeah. was when I was in college. So I was bouncing around a lot, moving between classes, moving between libraries, all of that. So that was that was a good experience. But at a certain point, I just, again, got tired of making those compromises to, right, yeah. to make it work in my workflow. And 
we're, you know, in education, there's so many crummy websites you have to deal with and so many weird, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> test monitoring things and all of that. It's like there's just too many limitations. Yeah. Yeah, when I was at college, the iPad came out um, – the, the the whatever the spring before I graduated, so I used it for like a, cu- yeah. a couple months or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it was a fun little period. That yeah. was so you would have been docking it on the weird keyboard, the keyboard dock, yeah, thirty I, pin. Dock yeah, thing. actually, I yeah. had two two I I ended up with two iPads. I had a three G oh. that I got a month later after the Wi Fi because it was impatient. <laughs> so I had to use the multitasking with two iPads. Yeah. I'd have a reference oh, read yeah. and then I'd be typing on the other iPad. <laughs> That's. That's how they wanted you to do it. Yeah, just get multiple <laughs> screens, multiple iPads, you know. <laughs> uh, were, but were you, now, mm-hmm. were you guys the ones that discovered uh, that a bridge was going out of business? Yeah, that was me. That was that was a fun, depressing story to write. We had gotten yeah. a few emails from customers who had placed pre-orders for one of their Hinge Dock Pro Dock mm-hmm. Thunderbolt accessories in january and i'd heard absolutely nothing about that order even though they'd given them like 200 300 for it so i did some digging and talked to like over a dozen former bridge employees and kind of tied everything (laughs) together and was like yeah "Yeah, this company is dead and yeah it's funny leadership was bad yeah before that i thought i had heard they were acquired from like belkin or somebody and that might might have fell through i guess they almost were acquired by Razer, the gaming oh, kind of focused yeah. company. Uh, who Targus was another one who mm-hmm. almost acquired them. There were at one point rumblings that Foxconn was going to acquire them, <laughs> which right. Foxconn did actually acquire Belkin, I think, in like oh, 2018, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, all of those fell through, and yeah, now Bridge is no dead. More. Yeah, and. Really, the fault of the Magic Keyboard from Apple being so good, it, they just yeah, like compete. I, yeah, it's hard to like. Why? Why would you get the other one? I, I, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. The Magic Keyboard is so good, and even with what Apple did with integrating external trackpads, and they worked directly with Bridge on some of that, but yeah. Bridge just could never compete. Yeah, they could get, never get it right. You have to get much yeah. lower in cost, and they they were a little bit cheaper, but not enough. Yeah, they. Yeah, and they had build quality issues too, which I know was a big thing. Mm, yeah, they had like a return rate on some of the iPad keyboards of around fifty percent or something insane. And you just can't, you just can't that compete with Apple when you have those problems. Like, yeah, uh, rest in peace, Bridge. Yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, they helped get the the ball rolling with that stuff. They did. I think a lot of people credit Bridge with allowing them to at least try to get work done on the iPad. Yeah. Well, my um, funniest uses of the old iPad keyboard dock from Apple was I'd throw an iPod Touch in there because it was thin enough to support it, and you just have this yeah. little thing on your lap that was super lightweight because you didn't have a heavy iPad yeah. on top of it, and that was just like a little, little typewriter <laughs> back in the day. I don't know if you know um, Alex Cox. Yeah. They, ho- they host Do By Friday and... Mm-hmm a few other things and they always talk about how they can use the iPhone as their primary computer with an external keyboard like that like bluetooth yeah. connected and I know David Sparks on Mac Power users carries around like a folded 
Bluetooth keyboard that he like keeps in his pocket and whips out with the iPad Mini. It's, yeah, I mean, if you're people taking are notes creative. at a meeting, like yeah. the smaller the screen, the better. You don't need to see what you're typing, really. <laughs> people are creative. It's fun. It's yeah. fun to see. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you had the original iPad, which I, I still believe that original iPad had the best battery life, and that's always been uh, slightly <laughs> worse since then as they've gone thinner. I, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember a car I, trip, it was like lasting like 15 to 20 hours with just video playback, and you just don't get that anymore. My biggest complaint about iPad battery life, too, is standby battery life is just terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you leave it in your bag for like a weekend and you don't use it, it's going to be dead or close to dead. Yeah, I think they morning. used to tout 30 days of standby life, and that's not the case anymore. No, yeah, not barely 30 <laughs> hours, it feels like. Yeah. Um, so as far as so you get a Mac Studio as well, do you have a Mac laptop these days? Uh, the 15-inch MacBook Air. Okay. Oh, you did get so that. So the the oh. new one, yeah, it's the Mac I've been waiting for for years. I wrote, I think the first time I wrote about wanting a big screen MacBook Air was in like 2017 or yeah. something. So I've been patiently waiting. So when they announced it, it was instant buy. Yeah, that's such a, a curious product that they didn't throw more battery in there and said they you know yeah. focused on speakers and like it makes sense. The Air's got great battery life. Um, and, the yeah. price of it is what's just incredible, really. Twelve ninety nine, twelve ninety nine. It's it's like why wouldn't it, you get that unless you want to? It makes device. the iPad a really hard sell. I mean, it makes the iPad a tough sell. I think we'll talk a little bit later yeah. about some ways the iPad's different, but when the MacBook Air is so good at that price, it makes the iPad and any other Mac hard hard to it justify. Does. Yeah, I mean, it's only hundred bucks more than the same spec, thirteen uh, inch. Yeah. Yeah. I just want them to make a little tiny, like, 12 or 11-inch one now. That's my... Yeah, like the... Well, there was the 11-inch MacBook Air and the 12-inch MacBook, so... Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's precedent. funny. Yeah, people forgot there was a 14-inch iBook. That was kind of, like, the closest oh, yeah. to this, I would think, um, as far as consumer-level, yeah. bigger-screened. And it's the Apple Silicon era. They can be more flexible than now than ever, so... Yeah. Hopefully there's some fun stuff coming. Yeah, they can be creative, which is it's always fun when they, their chips allow them mm-hmm. to do fun things like that. So, um what about iPad do you love the most? Like you have the MacBook Air, what about yeah. iPad just like, you know, is different enough to to make it worthwhile? So the thing about iPad that I love so much is the versatility of it and using it with a keyboard or trackpad or using it purely with touch or even with the Apple Pencil. I mean, Federico Vaticci likes to call it, like, the modular computer, and that's yeah. exactly right. Like, that's the best way to put it. All of the different ways that you can integrate the iPad into your workflow, whether you're using it as your primary computer or using it as an ancillary, like, accessory, mm-hmm. it can do all of it. Anything you throw at it, it can it can handle. And packing as much power that's in the as what's in the iPad now with that versatility, with some of the great apps and the incredible screen on the 12.9 inch it's the mac can't rival no. packing all of that into one package yeah yeah and then a screen is just it's amazing like a, it's a, it it's is. where i watch movies right i don't i don't have control of our tv purchasing decisions in our <laughs> house so it's like yeah it's my best screen right now <laughs> the ipad's probably a lot of people's best screen i mean even the non the non mini LED version. The yeah. iPad's always Apple does screens very well and it shows with the iPad. Yeah. And um 
As far as your your job at Nine to Five Mac, is that your in chief? Um, mm-hmm. What are the kind of apps and tasks you're you're occupied with? You're, you're probably writing and communicating with your team, and yeah. What, what, how's so, the iPad fit into all that? So the primary job is even as editor in chief, it's still writing. It's still finding news, writing news, mm-hmm. and then assigning news and stories to other people. So news gathering, I like to do via RSS with Reader. Mm-hmm which is just a fantastic app I've been using for as long as I can remember. And with Reader, so you have these different lists, and then when you find a story that you want to write about, do you send that through like the share sheet into Obsidian, or do you bookmark it somehow, or what's the organization? Usually there? it goes straight from Reader into Slack, so okay. I'll either take the link and put it in Slack and say, I'm writing this one, or mm-hmm. say, somebody else write this, like, here's a story. Yeah. Because Slack is kind of our like main hub, central point for all of our communication. And we're a really small team, so we get away pretty easily with just using Slack. We don't use any big project management tools or anything like that. But Slack on the iPad is not great. It's basically a scaled-up version of the iPhone. And it responds to different sizes of window classes and stuff, mm-hmm. but... It doesn't have that flexibility of the Mac version. And not that the Mac version's great, but the Mac version is at least customizable. Yeah. Whereas the iPad version is kind of you get what you get depending on what size you make the window. And yeah. that's your only that's your only option. Yeah. Um so on the Mac you can customize like multi column view or what's the Yeah, multiple columns, multiple multiple um filtering options for what's in the sidebar that you can't do on ipad and also notifications on the mac version of slack are so much more reliable than on the ipad especially in like a fast-paced slack room like Mm -hmm. our slack like on the ipad you can enable notifications for every message but it can't keep up that's kind of shocking because like ios and ipadOS seem to be like notification first and the mac seems like we had Growl back in the day. It seems like the Mac doesn't seem like a platform yeah. designed for that. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think at all it's Apple or iPadOS's fault. It's just Slack. Slack, yeah. Builds for the desktop yeah, and everything else. And maybe the iPhone, but everything else is an afterthought that we're like, they think they're, we're lucky that they give us anything. Right. It's <laughs> fine. Whatever. Yeah. But. Yeah, and I'd be curious, um, the website version of Slack and iPad, how that is. And notifications would probably be a mess there, but... <laughs> That's, yeah, I, was, I thought about that. And Slack, it's just hard when Slack is such a key part of your day, and you're in a fast-paced news environment, and if you miss a Slack notification, it could be bad. Like, yeah. You need Slack notifications to be 100% reliable, and we'll get there, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, they just need to... Get with the iPad OS times a bit. During big um, like keynote day or uh, mm-hmm. during that, do you have a separate channel or whatever thread in Slack all about uh, the, the fast-paced nature of <laughs> keeping up with that? So the our Slack is divided because we have 9to5Mac, the 9to5Google, mm-hmm. and Electric, 9to5Toys, Drone DJ, and Space Explored. Okay. And Connect the Watts. So yeah. we have all of those sites, and they all have their own Slack rooms. But the full-time 9to5Mac writing editorial mm-hmm. staff is four people, 
I want four okay. or five people. Yeah. So we're so small that when it comes to something like an event day, what we'll do is just make a Google Doc, and mm-hmm. I'll go through and assign. Like going into WWDC, we knew what was coming. Yeah. Like big picture, we knew. Yeah, the OSs, iPad and you had Vision the OSs. Pro. Yeah. Yeah. Some possible Mac announcements. So I just go in and assign that to everybody, put the Google Doc link in Slack, and say, mm-hmm. here's what we're doing. Like, let me know if you don't want to write what I've assigned you, or if you want something else, like we can trade. Just here's yeah. the big picture. And like I said, we're so small, we get away with some things that a bigger team would not be able to get away with. Yeah. Because, but, but we're so small and. We all work so well together that it that it works. It's very relaxed nice. and it works. Yeah, and then you guys are using WordPress for the site. Um, yes, and that um, you manage on the iPad through Safari, I'd imagine, because their iOS apps are kind of uh, exactly <laughs> not great. Yeah, the WordPress iPad app is kind of. I feel like if you're using a very basic WordPress install, then it's probably great. It's probably going to work okay. Yeah. But if you're using something more complicated, like what we use or what I imagine a lot of even modestly big sites use, it just doesn't have the options and the all of the little checkboxes that you need and different images you need to set and add settings you might need to change. So mm-hmm. doing it with Safari is just so much better. And the WordPress website on Safari is pretty good. Like I don't really have any problems with it. It works just as well on iPad as it does on mac in my experience so yeah they've been slowly improving safari and ipad like they had that year where it's like desktop class safari desktop it's, class, it's like yeah it's much closer it's not quite there but it's it's so much better than it used to be it is and the the thing about writing on ipad in general is just finding a way to quickly get words down and get them from point a to point b yeah so for me that usually goes with obsidian right into WordPress mm-hmm. just by copy and pasting from Markdown and Obsidian just to WordPress. Then once it's in WordPress, I do like the fine tuning of adding the style and the featured image and the guides and all of the yeah. the admin tasks that go with that. But Obsidian is where the words get on the page. Yeah. And um, is shortcuts at all involved with like getting images prepared for your sizing and all that or anything like that? So I've, this is a tricky question because are, are shortcuts involved right now? No. Yeah. But have I tried and (laughs) do I want to get shortcuts involved? Absolutely. Yeah. I have been looking through like the Mac stories, shortcuts gallery and everything Federico has built and everything like Matthew Casanelli has built and there's so many options and I want to try to integrate them, but workflows are just hard to change. Like when you've been mm. doing something, even something as basic as like writing and doing images, like yeah. you've been doing it for 10 years. <laughs> you could tell me that the shortcut's going to save me two minutes every yep. single time. And I'd be like, great, but this is how I do it. And right. This is how I've done it. And uh, <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. But integrating shortcuts into my workflow is definitely something on my on my to do list. Yeah, to see how you can kind of optimize. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's so many just basic things I could be doing. Yeah. With Obsidian, do you use it for stuff outside of work as well, or is it just kind of a work tool? No, it's entirely just for writing and 
taking work-related notes, anything personal, and all of my... So on work, any work tasks are managed with things. Mm -hmm. So Obsidian for writing, things for to-do list. Yeah. Then for personal stuff, it's all through Apple Notes or Reminders, both of which... With the primary reason being that it's easy to share those with my wife so we can have yeah. joint notes and shared folders and shared reminders lists. And yep. We're the if same. I tell her to go download, <laughs> download this app called Obsidian. <laughs> that's where our grocery list, that's where the grocery list is going to be Download OmniFocus. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And uh, yeah, reminders keeps getting better and better. Like it's, uh, it does. And I've dabbled with using it, but... Again, things is something I've been using for so long. Every time I've tried to switch, mm-hmm. I just come right back. Like I've tried to do it recently, and it's good, but it's not how I'm used to doing things. And it, yeah. things works very well, so I'm like, why change it? For um, the podcast you're involved in, do you mm-hmm. do any of the editing, or is that someone else's role? So for nine to five Mac Daily, mm-hmm. which I do five days a week. And it's short form. That is edited by my colleague, Seth Karkowski. Okay. Because even though it's such a short podcast, you have to tighten it up quite a bit. And you have to, there's still all the admin process of chapters and image artwork and processing it in forecast or whatever, and then getting it into Apple Podcasts and yeah, I did a daily podcast for app advice back in the day. Oh yeah. And, uh, they take the daily shows, even though they're short. They, they yeah, take they, a bunch of time exactly. Uh, in the post, yeah, because so when I started de- doing daily in 2019, I was editing it and doing everything, and it got to the point where that editing and admin stuff was taking longer than it was for me to record it. Yeah, and I was like, we have this guy who knows how to edit podcasts. Like, let's make this one of his jobs. Like, right, get this off of my plate. Like. So he took over editing that. Then, nine to five Mac happy hour. As of now, I'm editing it myself. Okay. Which part of the reason being that I'm new, and if I don't like how I sa- said something or I don't like how <laughs> I sounded when I introduced a topic, yeah. I just go in and cut that little piece out and clean it up. And mm-hmm. I imagine Editor's I'll hand privilege. off editing. Yeah. yeah, I imagine I'll hand it off at some point. But for now, I'm doing the editing. Have you tried that in Ferrite, or is Logic your tool for that? So when I was editing 9to5Mac daily, I used Ferrite a few times when I was mm-hmm. traveling, and it works really well. It's a great app. It's super well done. But it was always easier for me when it goes back to just doing something every single day. You get yeah. down to a work, such a fine-grained workflow to where when I was editing daily, it was just record right into GarageBand, splice it all together, add the intro, outro, yeah, and export. So that was just GarageBand, and mm-hmm. but you see people do incredible things with Ferrite. Like, oh, it's a great tool. I love that Jason Snell is yeah watching him edit a podcast in Ferrite. It's like mind blowing. The custom keyboard shortcuts is what really gives. Yeah. I, I have it customized in a way where it's like almost a video game with the uh, <laughs> you know how you can control your character on the WSD or whatever. Um, so I can. So do you edit every episode of this show in Ferrite? Yeah. Yep. And I yeah. get the custom keyboard shortcuts. I mainly use trackpad and keyboard. Uh, sometimes I'll use pencil. Um, but I love mm-hmm. the strip silence and tightening and does the strip leveling side, now, yeah. the chapter mark. It does everything. Like it's a one stop shop for everything. Have you tried Logic on the iPad yet? 
Um, I have not because I've heard it's mainly a music tool. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I use Logic for editing Happy Hour on the Mac. Yeah. And it's definitely like, I mean, as every podcaster would tell you, like, I don't need 95% of what this right. app is showing me right now. Yeah. But f- it has things like Strip Silence that GarageBand does not have. No. Which yeah. Strip Silence is amazing. Like, I, I don't know how I'd edit. I did it before that, but um, it's a. a- is Ferrite, have they discussed coming to the Mac at all? I feel like I've heard people. I think there's been rumblings that. about that, but um, seems like nothing firm. Be, yeah. I guess it, even yeah. though it's all Apple Silicon, the audio engines and everything between iPad OS and Mac OS are so different, it's probably not as easy as you would think. Yeah, I'm curious on that. And um, I've, I've asked about Vision Pro, and uh, <laughs> he's <laughs> investigating, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but it just feels like a tool built for podcasting and uh yeah it, it just it's, feels great to use that um as far as um so you mentioned um rss uh, for news gathering is twitter still in the the orbit for news Mastodon is there like is Mastodon not quite there yet with the number of people as far as news so twitter is still very much an essential tool for news gathering mm-hmm. mainly just because it's real time, like actual real time. Whereas Mastodon is not Mastodon's getting. Yeah. They make you feel like it's real time, but it's not. Quicker. Yeah. So for Twitter, I still use TweetDeck mainly. So on the iPad, that's usually just going to Safari and going to tweetdeck.twitter.com. Mm-hmm. And then telling it, no, I don't want the new version of TweetDeck. I want the old version of TweetDeck. <laughs> and jumping through that hoop every single time. Uh, and then just keeping that open in a window. Yeah. Because it'll stream. So you make mm-hmm. multiple columns and it streams every new tweet as it comes in. Which, as far as I know, none of the Mastodon clients have streaming. Right. I wouldn't think so. Because it's not real time I think, enough. I mean, that that was evident when um, the Ivory betas were trying to be shared through test flight. And yeah. just like some people would get it. And then 17 minutes later, it'd show up on my feeds. Like, oh, yeah, it's not real time. Yep. It's, my Ivory feeds recently have been showing things out of order, depending on, I think, whose server, oh, who's on what server. Right, yeah. So I'll post something and then the one above it will say like eight minutes ago and mine will say 30 seconds ago that's not how time works but yeah sure and in TweetDeck, you have different lists you're following to have different timelines yeah the primary two columns i keep up in TweetDeck are just my home timeline which has everything coming in as like rapid fire all day and then i keep the nine to five mac mentions open at all times because people will send us tips and yeah. There used to be ways to integrate things like mentions where they would show up in Slack. But when Elon killed all the API stuff, pretty much every Slack integration we used for Twitter broke. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, TweetDeck is a very essential tool for better or for worse. And I hope that changes mainly just because it's not a great experience anymore. It's not a fun app to use. It's not fun on the iPad. It's not fun yeah. on the Mac. That's owned by Twitter proper? TweetDeck, yes. Okay. Yeah. On the Mac, there's an app called Tweetin, which is basically TweetDeck in a web wrapper. Yeah. And it's 
So if you're logged in, it still works. It hasn't gotten axed by Elon yet. Yeah. But when I set up my new MacBook Air and I went to log in, it said, like, your account is no longer eligible to be used with this version of TweetDeck or something. Oh, wow. So I erased the MacBook Air, restored it from a backup of my Mac Studio, <laughs> and it worked. Like, Crazy. And, I mean, jumping through that hoop tells you just how important, for better or for worse, it is to real-time yeah. news gathering. They, they might not uh, even remember it's around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elon, if you're listening, that was all a joke. That yeah. Was, <laughs> no so- such app exists. So outside of Safari and Slack and Obsidian, what are some of the other big apps uh, for iPad um, for you work-wise? So a big one is Timery. I love Timery for tracking not necessarily total time. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to get to 40 hours a week, every week, eight hours a day. It's more just for tracking like comparisons. So Mm -hmm. on any given day, seeing how much time I spent writing versus podcasting, versus admin work, versus sponsor work, sponsor sales. Yeah. And then I also like to look at, like, stop and start times each day and compare them. So I can see, like, if it gets to, like, 2 in the afternoon and I'm already already trying to come to an end, I'll be like, okay, well, I look and I, time already says my first task was at 6 a.m. this morning. Like, that's why I, that's why I'm ready to call it. Yeah. And Timery, I mean, Joe, the guy who makes Timery, he is just an incredible developer. The app on the iPad is so good. It's so, the widgets are so modular and customizable. It's incredible watching what he's done and what he's already showing that he's able to do in iPad OS 17. Yeah. The interactive stuff is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the day where I can just have a home screen full of interactive widgets and don't even have to open like, apps. Yeah. The dashboard, the dashboard experience. Where yeah. Everything is interactive right from one page. One thing I was thinking about recently, now that widgets are on the Mac desktop mm-hmm. and iPad widgets are interactive, when I have my iPad connected to an external display, why not let me pin certain widgets to the desktop on the, of Stage Manager on that external display? Yeah. It's a funny thing. We um, that, we don't really, yeah, we don't have a desktop on on the actual display. It's just kind of no, like the, dead space. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was yeah. a thought. And was, the interactive widgets make you think about a lot of different possibilities, but yeah, it, it's it's very curious because yeah, there's no clamshell mode. And, like, you kind of need the iPad screen for some stuff unless you want to use Search or the app library. Which, um, I notification center, which this amazed me when I first connected my iPad to an external screen with iPadOS 17. Yeah. Notification center is still only accessible via the iPad screen. Is that right? I believe so. If it's connected to an external display, yeah, you cannot see notification center. No, you have to look at the external. Yeah, and uh, and it's in that like lock screen kind of mode where you're swiping down and it yeah. feels like you're locking your iPad almost. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, um, yeah. They they have further improvements to make for sure. Um, it's come a long way though. It has. It has. Um. And then and imagine for podcast recording, that's all done on the Mac still because you're not crazy and using like an external recorder like I do. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, for for nine to five Mac daily, it's really like I've said a few times already. It's just that efficiency and getting that audio file to my editor as soon as possible and as quickly as possible yep. every day. So, and then for happy hour, my biggest, I don't want to ask Mayo to make changes to his workflow. Right. To accommodate me trying weird things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that comes like, later once once you're 100 episodes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to go to Mayo and say, so we use we use Zoom right now, but first let's switch to FaceTime. But then also you're going to have to record both sides of the conversation all of the time. And I'm going to record into an external recorder. And if the call drops, I hope you have everything saved. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's too, there's too many risks. And yeah. Because the way we record now, there's so many. Well, he's been doing it for so long, and there's so many redundancies mm-hmm. to where Zoom is recording on both of our ends. We're both recording into Audio Hijack. Like, we can't. Yeah, because I don't think iPad Zoom lets you record each side of the audio. I might. I'm not sure. I don't think it can record your local. I think it can record the call, but it can't save your local, local track or something like that. But yeah. So much better. Yeah. 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 One of these years we'll finally get proper audio routing on iPad OS. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, in ten years from now, right. But now you do have you record you're recording via your iPad right now, right? Yeah. Uh the iPad's basically the conduit. Um I use a Thunderbolt dock which gets the audio out of the iPad, so your audio goes into one track and then I use a good microphone mm-hmm. that's plugged directly into the zoom. Okay. Um, so the iPad does no recording, it's just kind of like a conduit for your audio yeah. and um yeah, the Thunderbolt dock idea is interesting. I think in general, and something that I think I'm gonna try out connected to my iPad Pro, probably like right when we get off this call. Yeah, just here because there's. It seems like that's such a great way, especially when you're switching between an iPad and a Mac, to have everything connected to a central source. Totally, because yeah, it's one cable. Can, go, mm-hmm. It's one cable going either to the iPad or to the Mac. Yeah, I'm not sure if your Mac's on Ethernet, but you could have Ethernet yeah. from that dock, and then your iPad's on Ethernet when you're plugged in there, and yeah. It would solve my problem of, like, manually repairing my keyboard and trackpad to the iPad or to the Mac every time I switch between them, because I could just connect to the dock, and yeah. that'd be, that would be enough. Yeah, with Ethernet, though, with the studio, you'd probably want um, the Mac Studio always connected to Ethernet, Um if you use it as a server at all, I'm not sure if you're remote into it on your iPad or no, too much of that. No. You don't? Okay. No. Got we haven't gotten into this yet, but so I work out of like a co-working space. Okay. Yeah. So everything here is like stays here. Well, except the iPad, but yeah. the Mac studio stays here and it's just for here. And I have another, I have a Synology at home that I use for all of the server side okay. stuff, Plex, backups, that that kind of stuff. Synology amazes me. I've got uh, one oh, I got yeah. last year. And the ability to remote into it anywhere in the world with their like custom you know, connection mm-hmm. protocol is just like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> it works. It works so much better than you think it would. Like, yeah. The first, I got mine probably about a year ago and I was, I got it all set up and it, it was, the setup process is like anything. It's a little bit finicky depending mm-hmm. on what you're trying to do and what settings you want to get perfect. And I was like, okay, this is set up, but as soon as like the power goes out or the internet goes down, like something's going to break and I'm going to have to redo all of it. Yeah. I have not touched anything in that like eight months. It just, it sits there and it silently adds stuff to my Plex and mm-hmm. 
backs up my photos and all of that, and I don't have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, and I love how I can upload photos to it remotely through that iPhone yeah. app, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. Um, it's it integrates well too with the iPad just via Safari going to the Synology connector website. It's yeah, really you can use easy. the desktop version and yeah, initiate yep. uh, downloads or whatever from that. Um, and uh, the the Drive app is surprisingly good on iOS and iPad OS. I find. yeah, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, so technologies are cool. Yeah, they're, they're 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 fun. Especially as an iPad person, it's nice having a little server that can. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, that was. Uh, it makes me really want to get solid states in there because sometimes I don't know what that thing's doing. It's like idling, <laughs> and the drives are just like clicking. It's like it's loud. It's very loud. I realize why a lot of people like keep it in their basement or something. Like yes. I mean, yeah. And it's weird. It's it's loud uh, sometimes, and other times it's like it's completely silent. Yeah. It's like I'm not I'm not asking you to do anything right now. I'm not sure what it's what's the <laughs> the funny thing is is when you use it for Plex and you share that Plex with other people. Oh, randomly it'll. So like I'll be sitting in the in the office at my house, which has the Synology in it. I won't be watching or using the Synology, but I'll hear it kick up to do something. And like Zach Hall, my coworker, he has access to my Plex and be like, yeah. oh. Zach's watching something. I wonder yep. what Zach's watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got booted out of our family room to, to a less occupied room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> SSDs just need to get cheaper. We're they do. Someday. Yeah. And, solid, and the hard drives are just so cheap these days. It's amazing. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're on the betas. Uh, you, you have the Mac beta. I've got mm-hmm. uh, the watch, iPhone, iPad, uh, running all those. Um, are I'm you on all, all the betas for everything? All of them, yep. I haven't put Sonoma on my Mac Studio yet, okay, but it's on my MacBook, MacBook Air. Air. Yeah. Because Rogue Amoeba doesn't let you run their apps if you're running a beta. That's and right. I need Audio Hijack, so yeah. I haven't been able to upgrade the Mac Studio yet. But It's been a pretty solid uh, first couple betas. It has. <laughs> It, I think I've had more problems with iOS 17 than I, most people. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure why, but I feel like mo- a lot of people are saying, oh, this is the most stable beta in years. And then there's like me and a few other people off like, I mean, it's fine, but it's very, very buggy. Like it keeps telling me that I have no storage available, even though <laughs> I have like 35 gigabytes. And it, so it tries to offload my apps. Oh. Like I'll go to use Slack and I'll be like, Slack was offloaded because you ran out of storage. You have to re-download it. So oh, that's that's fun. But yeah, big picture though, all of the betas are really really good. I mean, one of the things I, I noticed uh, yesterday, I had, to, I had to power cycle my watch because Outcast was not um, behaving properly. Um, oh, yeah. I, I noticed there's now on the watch if you hold the crown button down, um, when it's totally powered down, it'll give you the time now. Yeah, it has an always on time like is that yeah. new in, se- in 10 mm-hmm. that is okay yep. yeah yeah um, yeah i, I want to say it might have been on the ultra before but okay now it's on everyone and it's nicer than like when your battery's dead and the little red thing it's like the full digital time it's like oh, that's yeah nice. <laughs> no it's really good and yeah um and then yeah as far as um ipad os 17 would have been the big uh improvements there we talked about interactive widgets um so i mean i think the biggest one that everybody who you ask will say is 
being able to play stage manager windows wherever you want to. <laughs> yeah. And overlap them, move mm-hmm. them around freely. Yeah. It's not trying to intelligently tell you where you should put one thing or another. I mean, that change alone is what's allowing me to finally like try, try stage yeah. manager. Because it would, I tried it with iPadOS 17, but it was 16. just like 16. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And it was just infuriating. I was like, I cannot do this. Yeah. It's just slowly, like moving stuff around randomly. Um, slowly, like everybody who was trying it was like, yeah, this isn't it. Like Federico was like, no, Chris <laughs> was using a Mac. I'd notice. And they'd be like, okay, like I'm, it's not just me. Like stage manager is the premise of what they did with stage manager in iPad OS 16 was good. Yeah. But they did what Apple loves to do, which is try to control way too much of the actual experience. Mm-hmm. So what they've done with iPadOS 17 is fantastic. Yeah, and so the shift-clicking things, I'm starting to use that more and more, where you just shift-click something and it'll yes. add to the stage. And it surprised me there's there's no animation just instant there. Like mm-hmm. They're not trying that's to be another, cute with it. That's another huge change, like... It solves the problem of just windows flying around constantly, regardless yeah. of where you click or what stage you're in. Just being able to shift click on an icon and know where it's going to go and it's gonna, and it's like going to be right in front of you. That's another big change. I mean, I almost want it to be the inverse yeah. to where the default is to open in your current workspace and shift click opens in a new workspace. Right. Yeah, but I. Uh, beggars can't be choosers. No, I'll take, I'll take <laughs> what I, I'll take what they've given us. Yeah, and I love the smaller windows. I was asking for this last year. Yeah, last yeah. year, I wanted my dream was I wanted an iPhone with app. Yeah, and I want two of those. But last year, it had to take up two thirds of the screen <laughs> for some idiotic reason. And now I can finally yep. do what I was was hoping for. Have these little widgets, widget-sized apps that are iPhone apps, basically. Um, that's great. The the best way that I've like described it, I think, is just that they took the guardrails off. Yeah. And now they trust you to make your workspaces work for how you want to. Mm-hmm. But uh, we touched on this. But the biggest guardrail still is that four app limit. I don't know. Yeah, the smaller with these smaller apps, it's like, oh, I, six apps might be yeah. nice now. <laughs> I. I just don't understand why. I mean, RAM management on the iPad's not great. Sure, things are killed in the background when they shouldn't be killed. Yeah. But I have an M2-powered iPad Pro with 16 gigabytes of RAM. Yes. Whereas somebody with an M2 MacBook Air with 8 gigabytes of RAM can, can have, have a million different million windows different open. Windows. Yeah. And I it's just don't, it's so arbitrary. And the four per window things uh, screen things weird. Like if I'm not using any window apps on my iPad screen, why can't I put eight on the external? <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly. A weird, uh, thing. Yeah. It, Cause it will kill apps. If you reach that four, it'll kill the oldest one. You would think if uh, there's the limit of yeah. eight, why doesn't it just let me have eight across both screens and kill uh-huh. apps, you know, according to the oldest yeah. thing. It doesn't make sense. I mean, no, it doesn't seem like a limitation that's rooted in logic or it's like, or it's just arbit. I think they're just worried about people getting too overwhelmed or having, cause I mean, that is a good thing about iPad OS 17 mm-hmm. where it does gives you the ability to make like a focused workspace where yeah, not too much is going on. 
but do you sometimes jump, you need all of that. Do you use multiple stages, or are you just using one stage and changing it up? No, I use multiple. So usually what I'll have is like a like a writing or like main stage, which is going to be Obsidian, a Safari window, mm-hmm. and Twitter open in some form, whether it's in the Twitter app or a separate Safari window with TweetDeck. Yeah. And and Reader in those. So that's the main one where I'm bouncing back and forth between Safari and finding stories. And then in the other window, another stage, I'll have, what is it, Slack. I'm trying to close my eyes and picture it. Mm-hmm. Slack, uh, mail, and messages. So like communication. Then in the third one, I'll have usually the Twitter app, Ivory, and like music or overcast or like yeah. A, so like a non-work focused. So I find that's the easiest way to like keep things simple. It's kind of like stage manager mixed with spaces on the yeah. Mac. Like it's then just using the gesture to swipe between each of them is. It's yeah, a good I almost want the spaces um, UI for stage manager. Yeah. Like just see in a bigger setting what those actually have in it. Um, versus the little tiny thumbnails. It seems like there'd be there's more that Apple can do to make it easier to see all of your windows, whether that's dividing them up into spaces or giving you like a expose style experience when you swipe up on a stage. Yeah. You see each individual window, not the stack of them. Mm-hmm. But being able to set, having those different themes of each workspace for me is... It helps a lot with like my mental overload, I think. Yeah. And I, I really want to see shortcuts for setting up these, that, these stages. That would be something that would definitely get me to dive into shortcuts, would be. Yeah. So imagine the old app icon for different uh, stages that just automatically yep. throw stuff there where it needs to be. It's, see, I had thought that they'd already added that until I was using iPadOS 17 and I went to look around yeah. and like... They did split-screen shortcuts. Okay, but, but not stage sure, manager. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that's where they stopped with that. So hopefully, once stage manager has settled down a bit, the shortcuts team will feel like they can uh, yeah. embrace it. <laughs> yeah. So um, we have custom lock screens now. and um, We do. I think it takes advantage of your wallpaper much better than the iPhone, which kind of just hides it mm-hmm. if you put widgets and stuff on it. Yeah. Um, have you started going down the rabbit hole of putting widgets on the lock screen? I know third parties aren't quite there yet, but so I've tried it and I wasn't super impressed right off the bat. Yeah. I think a lot of the widgets that Apple has just I couldn't get placed right. I couldn't get customized right. And yeah, I think to really dive in, I'll need more third party widgets. Whether mm-hmm. that's widgets for things like Timery or stuff from widget smith from david smith or just more versatility more ipad custom designed widgets that aren't just clearly from the iphone just yeah moved up moved over yeah yeah it's curious the lock screen on ipad like i'm not sure if i'm gonna hang out there as much as i'd rather just have my nope yeah my home screens yeah and i do like though the addition of live activities on the ipad lock screen yeah that's gonna be really nice Especially when you're connected to an external screen. Oh, Hopefully. yeah. And you just have the iPad kind of in the stand. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I'm trying to think. Although, if, I don't know if that'll work now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, because it has to be unlocked, right? has to be unlocked, yeah. Yeah. Although, I think live activities will appear in Notifications Center, if I'm not Okay, that would wrong. make sense. Um, and you but, can yeah. get to that still, yeah. But. Yeah, I don't know. Some just really nice tweaks overall. Those are some big ones, though. Um, just Just being but, able to work in a sensible way now. <laughs> A sensible way and a way that you're in control of is a big part of it. I mean, there's still, like, as I've been using iPadOS 17 more, like, eight hours a day, it's, I've got, like, a running list of complaints that I've been filing feedbacks for and talking to other people about, and there's definitely still some paper cuts. Like, one of the biggest things that they haven't addressed is... Face ID is on the iPad. And if I have a Magic Keyboard with Touch ID mm-hmm. paired, I can't use Touch ID on that Magic Keyboard. I have to like look over, get my face really close to the iPad to authenticate, or just use the passcode. I don't understand. I've been baffled by this. Since like the, the Touch ID keyboard came out years ago, and at the time, mm-hmm. it was like, Oh, surely the next OS update <laughs> iPads will be able to you know pair with that and take advantage of that. But nope, and like that would be the solution for clamshell as well. You buy yeah, this exactly. keyboard and you have clamshell mode. Um, it's yeah, and it the it works wirelessly with a Mac. I don't under and it goes back to like the guts of an iPad and the guts of a Mac are so almost identical now. It doesn't. Yeah. That would be a. That would be a huge change if they removed if they added that. Yeah, but. yeah. Because I currently I use the hover bar uh, tower um, or duo yeah. the duo um, mm-hmm. the desktop stand. Um, so I throw the iPad in there. So it's it's pretty easy to just like look over there. But if your iPad's yeah. kind of tried to be tucked away because you have a big six K monitor. You don't have really have room for <laughs> anything else on the desk. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see that being a thing. Or they just need to make Face ID work from further distances. That's the error that it always shows me as iPad too far. Finger, yeah, that's the like, thing. I was, I, was, I was always saying on the iMacs, like, why don't they put Face ID in there? It's like, mm-hmm. if you're at a certain distance, you're going to like lean in, lean in to get the work. Yeah. Versus Touch ID you could use further away. Or iPad OS could just interface with the watch, the watch. somehow for Apple Watch Unlock. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. But right now it's nothing. Yeah, and Clamshell will be great on the iPad Air where you have Touch ID still. Oh, yeah. That'd be, like, the best. Uh, yeah, and I, I really want an iPad Mini with an M1 chip so you could use that with external because that'd be the best, I think, that, iPad iPad yeah. where it's an iPad when you want to be mobile and then you can just, like, plug it into external and using Clamshell. Yeah. That'd be if, brilliant. I think it's Samsung already lets you do that with some of their phones even. Yeah, where they the, the, just plug in your fo- their your Samsung phone into a display, and, and that's it, your computer, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another limitation that I've really been running into is screenshots. I don't know how you manage this, but on at the, the Mac, time, t- I just kind of crop it to, to what I need. <laughs> yeah, because uh, on the Mac, you can take like perfectly sized screenshots like command shift four yeah, you draw the area you pick yeah. You want it. yeah you draw the area and you take the screenshot and on ipad os you hit command shift and it just captures both screens ipad and external yep. screen puts them both both on the ipad screen so you have to look over and 
Yeah. Crop them on the iPad screen. Yeah, it's kind of like when and, you have CarPlay hooked up, you get a screenshot of CarPlay yeah, exactly. as well. And I take so many screenshots day in and day out. Like, that's been... It's part of your job. That's been, like, you're yeah, capturing... Exactly. Yeah, stuff. So, a more robust screenshotting tool would be fantastic. Um, other limitations that I've noticed... I mean, an, this is kind of a niche one, I think, but... The cursor speed settings just don't feel customizable enough. Okay. Are you at the if fastest I, or what would you I'm would you like one to be below at? one below the fastest, I think. Okay. Cuz on the external screen that doesn't feel fast enough. And on the iPad but it's on the, like way too it's fast. Like, yeah. Yes. So and then I go to the Mac and look at my trackpad speed there and it's like I don't know, three fourths of the way up mm-hmm. or something like the ceilings don't align between Mac and iPad and then also iPad screen and external screen. Yeah. It'd be nice if there were settings per s- screen size almost could even be a shortcut action for that. You could when Yeah. <laughs> I think the closest you'll get now, I have a shortcut or well, that just opens up the display preferences for the settings app. There'd probably mm-hmm. be one you could get okay. for opening up the trackpad settings where you could yeah. customize that faster, at least. That's a good idea. Yeah. I'll have to try that. Um, yeah, what other paper cuts are you hitting on iPadOS that's like, oh, I'd rather do this on the Mac because of this paper cut? I miss Text Expander very, very much. So you have the built in thing, and then there is a Text Expander, but apps need to support it. It's, yeah. And it, the built-in thing is fine for basic for stuff. basic like plain text, but text expander I can have like full multi-paragraph formatted emails assigned mm-hmm. to snippets, and that's not possible on iPad. Like, is it through Spark? Do they integrate? I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, do th- I'm not sure. Cause I, I yeah, and I'm not sure if it's as complex as what you can get on the Mac as far as what the snippets can include. But I, yeah, I I thought there were some third party apps. And I thought Spark was one of the email apps that might have worked with them. I have to check on that, but I know. I mean, even in Safari, I mean, you need. That's one of the biggest spots where I use Text yeah, Expander. Yeah, I, I have like, that. I have templates for different post styles and like the happy hour post that I have to publish every mm-hmm. Thursday. I have a Text Expander snippet that just fills it all out, and I go in and put the numbers in and gotcha. Yeah. So that's, and that's not text expander not doing it. It's that they don't have a way to they do it. They don't have a way to do it. Yeah. For it's your, the same with like, for your daily podcast, is that scripted or do you do just do an outline? It's a mix of both. It's mm-hmm. an outline, but then depending on the story and depending on who wrote the story that I'm talking about, sometimes some of the quotes that I read are just verbatim from, yeah. Or, relative verbatim from that yep but it's not purely scripted when like it was when i first started because that felt too rigid that ended up feeling too rigid and so it's part part scripted part ad-libbed part outlined it's just go with it every day yeah i mean i've done over like a thousand of them by now (laughs) so i just kind of some days i just like wing it and sit down and say here's the stories and yeah 
But when I was doing it scripted, the iPad was actually a really big part of it because I would use... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's one of the teleprompter apps on iPad where yeah. and it would like it was a smart teleprompter app too. It would listen to you and move it down. Like oh, a, that's so cool. I can't remember what it's called. I'll have to find it. Yeah. And we can put it in the show notes. That'd be great. But, yeah. Cause there, there are some great teleprompter solutions. It was, iPad. I was surprised at how well it worked. It was, I've seen other people use it too for like doing ad reads for oh, any right. podcast, like mm-hmm. where you do have to follow a pretty exact script. So, just another versatility example of the iPad. Yeah, you can even put the iPad in one of those like mirrored solutions where it's like. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, and one of the things that um was added this uh, time around was the health app, and it looks great in the oh, iPad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing is just very obvious to me is I want um home screen widgets for the health app. I want to see my time and sunlight as like one of the yeah. data points I can just look at like, as a reminder. Get get outside. You've been inside too long today. That would be lovely. The, I mean, just in general, some more health app widgets from Apple. I don't think, I don't think there are any. No, I know there's a sleep there's a sleep widget. Sleep, but yeah. My thinking kind of is that they are, from a privacy standpoint, they don't want to let you put your health data right on right on your home screen someone locks your iphone's like your x number but i mean it's like (laughs) which if if somebody has access to your iphone they're gonna go and they can sure open the health app itself yeah the health app is not face id locked in any way nope (laughs) it could be um yeah but yeah yeah time and time and sunlight does not seem like a big uh, health concern (laughs) yeah Maybe just be more embarrassing if somebody saw it some days and be like, "Time and sunlight, two minutes." <laughs> right? Like, wow, this guy. This guy doesn't even go outside. But there are some good, a few good third-party apps that have decent, like health and activity-focused widgets. I mean, I know CardioBot is one it has a lot of the heart health data that you can add to your home screen with widgets. Fitness View is another one, and that's from a company, Fun Media. Yeah. They also make, like, Waterminder and Calorie and a couple other apps, and they they have great home screen widgets for all of their apps and all of that data. Theoretically, when 17 hits, third-party developers will be able to request access to Time and Sunlight, or I forget, do they, it seems like they get every category of data, but I'm not sure if that's accurate. You, yeah, they can get anything. That's like the little picker where you have to choose right. from the health side which so hopefully they'll add you that want to a, share. Hopefully yeah. they'll add that as a data point that they can share with. Yeah. But yeah, the health app overall on iPad is great. It's one of those things where it's weird that it took this long, but they did it well and it works. And yeah. it lines up with some of the rumors that they're planning some more. Mark Gurman has said like artificial intelligence coaching features and stuff like that for the health app so and if that's it sounds like that's going to be a service so okay getting that on the ipad the time and sunlight thing is just so smart i've been loving just looking at those those trends like because it's just in the background your watch is just like reporting (laughs) this data and like yeah it's well done like it's not in your face because it's kind of hidden in the health app so i'd like more places to see that data but yeah i mean i would love an extra ring like i want a fourth ring that's yellow or orange. Oh, yeah. that's just like my sunlight goal like 
Yeah. Or sleep. I want a sleep ring. Yeah. Like, that would be, like, auto sleep, I know, is... Mm-hmm. They've kind of adopted the ring style system for tracking sleep in that app, but... Yeah. yeah more. I've been preaching for more Apple Watch ring, either options or additional rings or something for years like yeah it doesn't need to be the same three things every single day no (laughs) you don't need 30 minutes of exercise every single day like you need rest days and yeah you don't need to fill your move ring every single day you need and it'd be interesting like with sleep there's a schedule you can set up uh Mm -hmm. what about a fitness schedule where some days that fitness ring is like 10 minutes and other days it's an hour that would be cool and it should be it should be smart enough to know too like Man, this person has done 55 minutes of exercise for five days in a row. Today, let's tell them to take it easy. Like, maybe replace the exercise ring with a mindfulness ring or something. Yeah. And That's what some of the other Apple Watch competitors are doing, too. Like, Aura Ring is a mm-hmm. big one. The Whoop Fitness Bands, they're all doing more intelligent rest and fitness balance kind of features and apple is not which it's going to become a problem for them i think yeah. in the long run but that has nothing to do with ipad but that yeah. <laughs> a little side <laughs> tangent oh yeah yeah because i'll talk about that anytime i'm given the chance to i will uh, yeah the, the watch unhealthy. is such a fun device to me i, I just love that platform um, it is and um yeah it's uh it seems pretty yeah the the new stuff is fun with the the scrolling up from the bottom yeah it is i like that i can choose a watch face that doesn't have a bunch of complication slots yeah my one my one tweet is i want to have an analog watch face and then i want digital time when i scroll up to have the precise time Uh, right now Mm, it matches whatever the watch face is above but i just always want digital so i can just get the exact time yeah (laughs) um I don't know how to read analog clocks. I can I can get the ballpark. But I think you know. everybody knows, but yeah, it's like it's not as takes exact. a few extra seconds. Yeah, for me. Um, for um, back to stage manager Andrew briefly. How do you uh-huh. most time have like windows sizing? Like, do you have like one primary app with like smaller windows, or what? Generally, how do you set up so that stuff? If I'm using like that main workspace I was talking about with for writing. Usually I'll always have that Safari window with TweetDeck on the right-hand side, mm-hmm. kind of just floating there. And then I'll have the other main window will be another Safari window just for like whatever I'm doing, whether that's researching or reading something or doing admin work. And then Reader is kind of in the background so I can see it so I don't... Yeah. I can kind of see what's happening, keep an eye on it. And then those are just, then when Obsidian, when it's time to write something, it's usually the big Safari window moves over a little bit and Obsidian comes in. So I can have like the source and Obsidian next to each other. Yeah. And then that same Safari window can be used for finding backlinks and other relevant info for whatever I'm writing. But and with the 6K and display, I mean, you can have uh, yeah. some very big windows. Or, uh, exactly. <laughs> and you could also have more than four windows. You could. But, um, yes. Anyway. Yes. I mean, and that's like the ability to arrange those exactly how I want them is, the like, like, like we've said, the best part of iPad OS 17. Yeah. 
The cool thing I discovered last year is you Mm -hmm. can scroll non-active windows. So I could have ferrite front and center and hover my mouse trackpad over um, Twitter or whatever and scroll that. It would even work with touch scrolling and not making it um, the frontmost window. There was a way to scroll it without it bringing it forward, which is neat. That is cool. I hadn't realized that. It makes sense. but Yeah, I mean, that's how it does on the Mac. And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah exactly. watch here too, I guess. Yeah. Um, have have you invested in a new webcam now that the iPads can <laughs> hook up to those? No, I haven't. I mean, the so the Pro Display XDR doesn't have a webcam. No. Make, it's, it's such a great value. They couldn't. They could not. They couldn't well, pros to, don't need to see yeah. people or see you. So I have this stupid magnetic Logitech um, camera that they designed just for the XDR. Okay. Attached to the top. I'm actually not sure. And that plugs into a USB port or USB-C port on the pro display. Yes. Okay. Um, so what I'm not actually, I haven't tried it yet. So will that show up? It should. Yeah. That should just work on the iPad now. So that's one thing to test. Yeah. I have to test. So, no, I'm not going to buy anything, but apparently I already one. have something. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Um, yeah, I remember when that came out. It's like, of course, Apple can't put that into the... <laughs> yeah, no speakers either. <sighs> that's that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the speakers have gotten better and better over the years. It's amazing they oh, yeah. can't bother to put one in the pro display. Studio display, the camera is not great, but the speakers are great. Yeah. MacBooks nowadays, I mean... 1080p cameras and great speakers. Yeah, the new MacBook Air speakers are decent. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I'm. You, so, are you gonna like magnetically attach something to the top of your iPad? Or I'm looking into if that's worth getting. I I, I hear there's I know. there's I, there's cameras that'll mount to the top in some way. It makes sense with the flat edges of the iPad. It seems like it would be relatively easy to mount something. But I mean. Yeah, I need. I guess you could it. get something significantly higher quality than the FaceTime camera. Yeah, which You'd isn't terrible. On, and I actually yeah. do enjoy center stage on the iPad a fair bit, depending on the situation. Yeah. It works fairly well. But um, yeah, I'm just more curious than anything to like what what's this experience like. I think um, more so than webcams for me, it's audio. Like, yeah, better audio, routing, more flexibility. I like want, on the Mac, you know. if I go to a YouTube, so I'm listening to something in music and I go to YouTube to look something up, but I don't want to like hear the YouTube video. It's going to take over the playback open, and pause my music. Open up the TV app on the iPad and it'll pause your music because, I don't know, the audio oh, playing video that's muted. Yeah. Um, it, that it's infuriating something. how that just, yeah. Yeah. That would enable easier podcasting too from the iPad. It would, yeah. I, I also on. really want. We have camera, external cameras now. I want HDMI capture as the next step of that. And we'll be able to plug mm-hmm. in like a, a PS5 and you know do streaming from the iPad. That would be nice. Um, yeah, stuff like that, or even capturing VHS tapes to do my archiving of old. Oh yeah, videos uh, like yeah, that stuff. Like it seems like we have the camera now. That's one one more step, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then let's see any other iPad OS 17 stuff that we haven't covered any other nitpicks or things about iPad that, um, like you're in this test phase now of using it for work. Do you think it'll Mm -hmm. stick or what what are your thoughts? 
I think so going into this like process of trying and playing with iPad OS 17, trying to go into it open-minded and like without all of my prior complaints about iPad OS. I've tried to treat it as like it's fun and it is yeah. fun to like dive in and like it like I've talked about it's very easy to get stuck in your ways of how you've done something for so long. Like on the Mac you use these apps, you move things from this app to this app. Yeah. You do this with photos. And like you 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 stick with those workflows for a reason. Like they work for you and that's how you can do things quickly. But my whole experiment with iPadOS is trying to find new ways to do things either as quickly or even quicker. Yeah. And I think it's too early for me to know whether this is all going to stick and become like a bigger part of my workflow, but it's a really fun process to learn. And like, there's so Mm -hmm. much more that I haven't even touched yet. Like we talked about like shortcuts, like I need to dive a lot deeper into shortcuts to learn how, I mean, shortcuts can solve some of the problems I have with doing things on iPad OS. Like for sure. Like there's so many, like there's just so much you can do with shortcuts. And yeah, I had one, my old day job, I had one that integrated with HubSpot. They had an API. Oh yeah. And I built out this crazy social media thing where I could (laughs) post to like Twitter and Facebook and um, LinkedIn and stuff through a, a shortcut that was through HubSpot API. And, um, you can do some wild things in there. Yeah, I mean, and that's the big picture, I think, is just trying to explore a new way of doing things, not just writing it off because I've been annoyed with iPadOS in the past, going into it with an open mind and realizing that like, when I use my iPad, it doesn't have to offer everything that macOS offers, but it should offer it should give me the ability to do everything that I do on the Mac just in a different way, like right. a way that matches with the iPad as a hardware device and iPad OS as a software platform. Like for all of its faults, iPad OS is fantastic in so many ways. And there's so many great apps that we don't have on the Mac. And then there's so many different apps that we have on the Mac that we don't have on iPad, but that you can, the iPad gives you the versatility to use the web to use them or to find other apps that can mm-hmm. fill that same void, but with iPadOS optimization. It's like, I don't, I think going into it this time, I realized I don't want the Mac OS experience on an iPad. I want the iPad OS experience just with that power and flexibility of the Mac. Yeah. I don't want an iPad that runs Mac OS. I want an iPad that runs, yeah. <laughs> I want an iPad that runs iPad OS like that's flexible like like we said with stage manager like remove the guardrails and let me do what i want to do and they're getting there and i'm enjoying the process i mean it's fun it's very very fun to like challenge myself to find new ways of doing things yeah it'd be nice if they add one final size class to ipad os and that's like the tiny mini um like an itunes on the mac you can make it uh, yeah, really, really tiny. It turns into this like a little player, a little uh, play pause button. I'd love yeah. that for iPad. Some like just super tiny size class they invent. Well, they'd have to remove that four window limit definitely if they, they did would. that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> one of your windows one. is a play pause yeah. button. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, 
Any else? Anything else on iPad before we move on to? I just want to. I have to ask you about Apple Vision Pro briefly. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I think I've said my piece about iPad. Okay. I think. So but one other thing I do actually yes. want to say too is like, it has been super fun, like learning from other people about this, and like, I am not an expert on iPad OS, so reading things that people and reading and listening to things like that people like yourself have have come up with and federico and chris and all of those people and taking the feedback and not and like asking questions yeah and being like i have not done this before is like am i missing something or is this how you have to do it right i think going into it with that open mind and taking all that feedback has been it's been very very fun yeah it's it's, using ipad to for work and like it's it's a it is fun for me. Like it was like, so yeah. my last Mac I bought was in 2011, that 11 inch MacBook air. And, oh, wow. um, I, and at some point, like I, I got, you know, a fancy iPads, like this is, let me just get expensive iPads and not buy two computers and see if I can make this work. And you just, over the years, you kind of learn different tricks and yeah. you know, things. It's, it's a fun process for me at least. Yeah. It's a fun process and there's a fun community. And then, like, we're going to segue right into Vision Pro. I mean, it's a new platform to learn how to do your work on. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing for me when I saw, like, you know, it's like, oh, this is a new computer platform. This isn't just, like, mm-hmm. a gaming headset like my PlayStation. This is, like, and that's oh, this is different. why Apple did not say the word headset anywhere. No. In the press release or during the keynote, it's a spatial computer. Yeah, because before this, I, so I'm in, I love VR gaming. Like, I have a PSVR 2. Yeah. I had the PSVR 1. I, I spent a lot of time in VR for gaming. And I was actually not keen on Apple getting into the space because they don't know anything about gaming. And then I saw yeah. their approach. It's like, oh, this is actually augmented reality more so. This is, I'm yeah. actually excited by what they're doing, um, which I wasn't expecting going into the keynote, even being a VR guy. Mm-hmm. Um so I've and and so one thing I've heard over and over again is if you can work on iPad, you can probably work on Vision Pro. Uh, you're one of the few people that's used the Vision Pro with the demo. I'm very jealous of. Can <laughs> you see yourself working in Vision Pro now that you're kind of learning how iPad works and like, oh, these apps will all run in Vision Pro, presumably. Yes, I think so. Uh, the key is going to be which apps are available as Vision OS optimized apps yeah. versus which apps are just iPad apps or iPhone apps replicated mm-hmm. because those apps miss out on a lot of the the depth and the customization and floating window sort of functionality that yeah. native Vision OS apps will have. Right. But I do think just the collaboration and the the different ways that you can interact with things using augmented reality Mm-hmm. so one of the things they showed off during the keynote was like the heart in front of you like it was a med student learning about the heart and they yeah. had the heart in front of them and when you combine all of that together i mean it's an entirely new way of computing but if you've used an ipad i mean the entire windowing system on vision os is very very similar to stage manager like it's very clear that they drew either stage manager was created out of the work that mm-hmm. on vision os or vice versa so it's familiar, but it's also entirely new. And from an iPad standpoint, I do think you miss out on some of the Mac-focused features of the headset, like using the headset as an to create an external screen from your Mac. 
Yeah, it's a shame that there isn't that work. for iPad. I saw it's like yeah. where's the iPad version of that? <laughs> it seems like what they've shown for Vision Pro and Vision OS so far is very clearly painting it as a first and foremost its own platform, but yeah, then it's own as an platform, extension. Yeah. And then, but also as an extension of the Mac, not the iPad, not the iPhone, but the Mac. Yeah, and I don't know I if they are doing that because. You can't yet run Mac apps standalone, and you can't run iPad apps standalone. I'm not sure if that's part of it or not. Yeah, that's a good point. I I think one of the productivity aspects of it that I'm most excited about is using... So you can use Vision Pro as an external screen for your Mac, mm-hmm. and then also have Vision OS Windows around it. Yeah, so, so like iMessage, the, you don't need the Mac version. You can Exactly, just, yeah. yeah. So that's... The Mac external screen tie-in is one of the things I'm most excited to try, which we didn't get to try during our demos. Well, cool. Uh, thank you, Chance, for your time. This has been a great Yes, chat. of course. Thank you for having me. And uh, where can folks find your daily podcast and happy hour and everything you're up to? Uh, well, you can follow along with me. I'm on Mastodon, Twitter, and Instagram, at Chance H. Miller. And that's, I'll share links on those platforms just about everything but so just go to nine to five mac and find my author page we've got a podcast a website dedicated to the podcast and the nav bar just tap on that and yeah i encourage you to listen to daily and happy hour i think they're very different podcasts but they're fun and i'm really excited to be doing happy hour awesome i think it's yeah i think it's gonna be a blast yeah it's uh longer form shows are, are definitely fun to do especially if you've been yeah, doing the, the daily yeah. Yep. It's different. It's you, you have know, someone to talk to. Some adjustment. Yeah. <laughs> Not just me screaming into the void. Yes. Mayo has to listen. <laughs> well, thank you, Chance. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was fun. Well, that's my discussion with Chance. Once again, catch our full discussion about the Apple Vision Pro over on the Vision Pros podcast that launches today. Learn more at visionpros.fm. But thanks to Chance, first time recording. My thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. Support this podcast over patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My thanks to everyone that supports the show. Even a dollar a month goes a long way with helping with the production of this show. With that said, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.